I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm a very tired Mike McGinnis. And I'm... No, and I, yes, and I'm the classic arcade podcast called No Quarter. <laughs> Clearly, both of us are a little, little punks drunk at the moment. But how are you, Mike? Well, I'm exhausted. Um, I spent the weekend at <clears throat> the second annual Denver Comic Con. Did you buy comic books? I didn't buy any comic books. Oh. No. And at, at first blush, it may not seem like Denver Comic Con would have much to do with what we're talking about. Here on this podcast, which is the classic arcade game podcast, um, but there were some interesting items um, that came up. But first, how are you? I'm awesome. I did not go to a Comic-Con, but I had a good weekend anyway, and I played lots of games, and I, I tinkered around with some Apple II stuff, and yes, it's been just a, a good old time with retro computing and old games, and I'm a very happy Carrington. Great. <laughs> Because it's uh, pretty late for you on a Sunday night. It's getting it late is. for me. It's coming up on 11.30 p.m. Sunday. Oof. We're recording later than usual because of your comic conness. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep this as short as possible. But we do have a lot and to talk about. And that's the end of the show. <laughs> that's right. See you next week. <laughs> Contest over. So uh, Friday night at, um, at Denver Comic Con, they had a King of Kong panel. Um, and this was supposed to be a Q&A with Steve Wiebe. And Walter Day, they're, they're playing got in late, so we only got about 10 minutes. And basically, it was Walter Day apologizing for the film. You know, he, he talked about how it shouldn't have been classified as a documentary and all that stuff. So, oh, interesting. Because yeah. we've, we've talked about it before, right back near the very beginning of, of this podcast, like early, early episodes. I think we, we first discussed it and the, the sort of the controversy behind it. And a lot of people saying, you know, this, a lot of this is manufactured or, or what have you. So interesting. So he actually comes out and just apologizes. So he, he did apologize. And, and he said that there were basically four different film crews filming that group of people um and i think three of those film crews use their footage to be to make movies two of them you've probably heard of obviously the king of kong and another one called chasing ghosts mm -hmm. and he said there were thousands and thousands of hours of footage probably a few hundred and then from that they king of kong in particular decided that they wanted to tell a hero versus villain story and so they picked the footage that that told the story that they wanted it to, to say so right I mean, that's the nature of a lot of documentaries, to be, to be honest. Like, you see them, in, and usually a documentary, um, a documentarian goes in with an opinion or wanting to prove something or what have you. So I would say, you know, a good majority of documentaries out there are coloring the truth, maybe not always intentionally, but, you know, they, they have an agenda and they're, or they're trying to entertain or, or what have you. You have to tell some sort of story to keep the audience engaged and interested. Sure, absolutely, yeah. And also I think it helps sell tickets and what have you. And, and certainly uh, as far as being aware of the movies, the one that seemed to do the best and, and out in the general public seemed to be King of Kong. So maybe having that, that, that story and making it a, a good guy versus bad guy story just you know increased its market. Right, I, I think you're absolutely right with that mm -hmm. because... Uh, there's the other one, Chasing Ghosts, which was also a very, an excellent documentary. And if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you hunt it down and, and, uh, view it a couple of times. Didn't go for the, uh, human conflict angle. Uh, and so it's, it's just as good for somebody like you or, or me, who's just interested in this stuff in general, but probably less of a general public interest story. Right. 
Yeah, I, I only heard about Chasing Ghosts, I think because we discussed it here on the show, or maybe because I saw it on Netflix or something like that, whereas King of Kong, I had heard about and had watched, and actually had quite enjoyed, not knowing any of the background, just thinking, yep, this is exactly how it happened, <laughs> he blindly <laughs> believes, um, before we even started podcasting. So that was the, the only one of these sorts of movies that I knew about pre, you know, diving into this with you. So, Carrington, do you know... A person called Richie Knuckles. <laughs> no, but it sounds like a mob guy. <laughs> well, he, he may not be a mob guy, but he certainly has that uh, Jersey East Coast energy about him. You know, he's a type A personality. Go, go, go. He's the owner of Knuckles Arcade out in Jersey. I think there might be two of them. Um, right. He That's is, a great name. Oh, yeah. Richie it's, Knuckles. That's awesome. <laughs> in fact, I like it so much, I'm going to change my name to Mikey Eyelashes. <laughs> And I'm going to call you that. <laughs> and he co-partnered, he partnered with a guy here in Denver, the guy who owns the one-up and the two-up arcades named Jordan. And I'm spacing his last name right now. Sorry, Jordan. I know he's not listening, but, uh, and together they bought the Twin Galaxies property from whoever had it before, whoever Walter sold it to. I don't think Walter was still the owner at that time. Right. Okay. Walter, Walter Day. Right. Um, and they they got together. These two got together, and they are have co-funded a sequel to the King of Kong. It's called King of Arcades. Kong Harder. Yeah. <laughs> and they showed uh, some preview clips from that, and it looked pretty good, actually. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, I, I think I think it's less about it. At least the preview stuff that we saw was less about uh, like Steve and Billy and Walter and and some, some of these other players, and more about. Um, Richie and, and his, you know, how he goes and raids what he calls raids warehouses for these games. He came across with the, uh, one of the, the original Star Trek games, which I guess is very hard to get a hold of. Uh, we got to see footage for that. Um, and he got together with the uh, living half of Buckner and Garcia and re-recorded uh, Pac-Man Fever as a punk Oh, cool. Yeah, nice. so if you can imagine Pac-Man <laughs> fever with a mosh pit. I can't imagine that. It's hard to not imagine that. It actually sounded pretty good. Um, I was surprised. but So they, they had a whole lot of interesting stuff going on. The, the, the final Twin Galaxies information that, that they announced was that they've remade the webpage as a Facebook for arcades. And I'm sort of disappointed about yeah, this. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't like that. I don't like the sound of that at all, mister. I've Mr. never Lashes. seen. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just trying out the name. I like it. Well, of course, it. <laughs> I do too. Stick with it. Um, <clears throat> so I have never seen anything that launches and calls itself something a Facebook of something work out very well. Nope. And, and from what I've seen at Twin Galaxies, I don't think this is going to fare any better. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, and you can go there right now, TwinGalaxies.com, sign up, and I guess you can add your scores and like or dislike games, whatever. Um, okay, so it's basically like a big forum for discussing classic games only, or, or no, new stuff? No, uh, new stuff. Every game that's that they can think of, they've they've shoved in there. Right. Huh. See, that seems very unfocused to me. Yeah, and it, it looks like the actual scores are gone from the... not probably They're probably not gone-gone, but you can't just get them on the homepage anymore like I used to be able to do to look them up as we were talking about them. I think you have to register for an account now. So. Oh, yet another account. Ugh. But uh, 
Good luck, guys. I hope it works out. Um, and, oh, 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 oh! Ex- exciting stuff happened. Oh, I like exciting stuff. Just this afternoon at uh, Denver Comic Con, as a matter of fact. Tell me, tell so, me. So, so Steve Weeby was out here to promote the stuff, and on the on the exhibit floor, they had a booth. Uh, the One Up had a booth, and they had a Donkey Kong machine. And Steve was playing most of the weekend when he wasn't in the panels. I hear he's pretty good. You think so? I don't know. <laughs> And, well, actually, they had two of them so that you could play side by side with Steve. Nice. Yeah, um, I didn't do that. I think you had to pay for that. Oh. Uh, but Richie had been promising all weekend in these panels that that Steve would get us a, a kill screen by the time the weekend was over. And brrr, drum roll, please, he did. Oh, nice! And yeah. you were able to witness it. Yeah, I was actually there when it happened, and I recorded the whole thing on my shaky cam phone. So I'm going to upload that this evening, and people can look at it. That's fantastic, and really cool that you got to see it. I mean, not a lot of people will will ever get to see an actual Donkey Kong kill screen in person. Yeah, I don't know how many Steve has done in public, and I don't know overall how many have happened over the years. I, I can't imagine that it's very many. Nope. Uh, it's sort of interesting, because I was standing there for about maybe 40, 40 minutes or so. The video is like five minutes long. I finally I started recording it when I realized that this might happen. Um. But I stood there for 40 minutes, and Donkey Kong's got four or five screens. I don't remember. So you're just watching it and over. You're, you're <laughs> watching it over. And the thing is, you're watching Steve play it, and you can see the patterns every time. You're like, oh, this isn't that hard. I can do that. <laughs> from, you... the, from, yeah, from a distance, that's <laughs> right. how it feels. We've talked about a few games that look not so difficult from a distance. <laughs> yeah. And then you come home and you go, oh, no, I can't do this. <laughs> There's a reason that he's one of the best players in the world. But it right. was... It was really awesome to to see that happen, and and I also just you know got to to meet Steve and Walter and and um, have a good time. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll have the video up here shortly. I tried to do it from Google Plus to do to I <clears throat> I tried to do it to Google Plus on my phone, and Google compressed it down so that you can't. It's, it's so blocky and pixely, right. you, you can't even see the score as he's as let alone follow what's happening on the screen so well and that defeats the purpose so i'm not sure where i'm going to put it but uh we'll have a link up eventually sure yeah we can host it somewhere or or what have you but that's that's really exciting that's very very cool yeah yeah i'll uh, i'll definitely get that up and it um it, it made the price of the convention ticket worth it so right yeah yeah that that was really a a, a one time opportunity to see something like that presumably so very cool well oh, done. and right up, right up your alley. Uh, they also right up a, your alley, Mister. <laughs> well, not mine because I don't have one. Oh, okay. Uh, they did have a fix-it Felix Junior cabinet there. I'm not impressed. I'm I'm everyone's sure got one not. of those, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Oh, wait. Well, no. <laughs> uh, there was a huge line. In, uh, <clears throat> there was a huge line in the convention center to play it, and there was another line right next to it to take pictures of the cabinet. Apparently, this thing is so rare that very few people have actually seen it. Really? Because if people are in Toronto, just, you know, drop me a note. Swing by. I do have take a picture. you, jerk yeah. you. <laughs> Though I am still leaning toward probably selling mine. I don't have any space, man. I don't have any space, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need a space, man, is what I need. I've been seeing, yeah. I've been seeing that, that thing missing from my life. I think it's a space, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. So, okay. Mr. Eyelashes. Mr. Eyelashes. So let's talk about giving things away. Giving it up. Giving it up with Mike McGinnis. We oh boy. held this, a contest this, this week to, to try to guess this week's game. And 
we got quite a few entries, but most of them private because we said, you know, you have to you have to guess the game. And I and I think a lot of our listeners realized, well, if they go and just post it publicly, then everybody else can just repeat it and it lessens your chance to to enter. So the vast majority of our entries came in through um, uh, direct message tweets and a lot of email, a whole bunch of email. So it was really nice to get a big flood of email from people um, and just, you know, to hear back from listeners and see that people are paying attention. So we got a total of, we were discussing this ahead of time and sort of comparing our lists. So we got a total of 77 entries for that's, the, um, yeah, it's quite a few. So well, that's, really pleased. that's like 10 times more than the number of viewers I thought we had. Right. <laughs> no, actually our viewership keeps going, our listenership keeps going up <laughs> oh, by, by right. leaps and bounds. Yeah. Like we are chewing through bandwidth and it is awesome. That's so great. It's fantastic that people are finding the show and, and, and uh, uh, yeah. So it's just really, really, really nice that people are listening. And it's great to give back to our listeners be able to give out a little thing like this. So we had decided that we were going to give away a miniature arcade uh, machine of your choice made by Retro Heart over at retro-heart.blogspot.com. Really, really nice fellow named Stephen. We decided to give this away before ever even reaching out to Stephen. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> and so, but then you did reach out and he was very, uh, very amiable to shipping it to um, whoever, whoever wins. That was really nice of him. Yeah, he was. Uh, he thought the idea was cool, so I'm glad yep. that he's into it. I mean, we we would have done it anyway, but sure, yeah, <laughs> we're just buying the thing. So, right. what's he going to say no? <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was really nice. And so, uh, and what I like about this idea is the well, we're picking in a sense the object. You're going to win a little miniature collectible um, arcade cabinet, and I love that he makes them with a with an actual working little screen that'll display display images, and so that's totally awesome. But I love the fact that he will kind of make anyone you want. He's got a huge range of them, the big list online, and so the winner will be able to select the game that they're most interested in. So I like that it's a little personalized that way. Yeah, and I think he's even got a selection of one twelfth scale pinball tables as well. Who wants those pinball schminball? But I guess people can have whatever they feel like. And I think those are priced a little bit differently. So if you do want one of those, you know, let us know, and we'll, we'll try and work that out. But oh, uh, we'll give them what they want. You have anything you want? I say it's time, Karen. It's time. Okay, so I've since got I our can't list. win, I guess you're going to have to pick. A, I am uh, going to randomize it. Then, since I'm looking looking at the names, I'll let you pick it so we don't cheat. Because I would indeed cheat. And I would win because I want one of these. We may, I may actually be ordering two. One for me, one <laughs> or for three, Owen. one for yeah, me Because they do say pretty cool. Um, okay, so I'll randomize it. And why don't you, and I'll just do, I think we did before. We'll just mod it. So um, pick some sort of super high number and I'll mod it by 77. Uh, 44,628. Wait, 44, 628. Point 0.4. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> and modding so R... Okay, so the winner, scrolling down, the V is Vintage Volts. Wow. So congratulations, Vintage, Vintage Volts. Well done, you, Mr. Volts. Let me scroll, see if I've got... Looks like that comes from a Facebook page posting. Oh, so he's one of the people who actually posted out in public. Here I'm saying <laughs> most people said, most people were all sneaky. No, he shouted out in public, and he said next week's game is Ladybug. And he also included a note which says, I'll take the miniature Tron cabinet when I win the contest. Well, very uh, very confident, aren't you, Mr. Volts? And unfortunately, very <laughs> confident, but I actually then did win. So congratulations. That's really funny. So, yeah, congratulations. Um, yeah, my favorite, I, I pulled aside a couple of entries um, that came in by email that were sort of my favorites that I wanted to call out to. I really liked uh, Jan Lund Thompson's 
entry. He had guessed the name correctly. And, but then he also gave us a little bit of feedback on uh, another show, Tapper, and yeah. called us out and made fun of us. So he said, well, inspired by the show Tapper, I spent some quality time with MAME. And in my first game, I bested Carrington's puny high score by clocking 8,400 points. My third game ended in a score of 18,825, beating Mike's high score. Then again, that was set by clearing levels as quickly as possible rather than using his approach of racking up points on lower levels. Switching to this earned me 21,400 on my fifth ever go. Not bad for a Commodore user, eh? And he attached a screenshot to rub it in. So that was, I thought, a particularly awesome email. And yeah, you did wipe the floor with my score. I you're, sucked at that game. Jan, you're banned. No way, Jan's yes. awesome. That no, was a great done, email. Not only is he a Commodore user, but then he points out how easily he beat us, and then he goes on to to point out the flaws in my strategy. No, 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 no. You're, you're through. It was yeah, through. Like, he beats my high score in his done. first ever attempt. I really, I mean, I loved Tapper. I mean, oh, I yeah. seriously loved playing that game. But I blow at that game. I'm just, <laughs> I did much better at this week's game, but I, I was terrible at Tapper. And yet, it didn't matter. It didn't affect my enjoyment at all. That's a fantastic game. Yeah, no, and, yeah. and thank you definitely, Jan, for the, the feedback. Yeah. And I suppose uh, for now, you can continue to listen. Right. <laughs> we also had a question sent in by Nils Houghton. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he had also guessed the game correctly, so he was on our list. Um, and I forgot about this one, but when we were discussing the the people, the entries earlier, right before the show, you you reminded me of his name, which made me look at the uh, list. And he says, I have a question semi-related to your list of video game movies you were talking about. In a past episode, you guys were talking about watching the Bishop of Battle sequence in the movie Nightmares. Um, <laughs> the best argument uh, as not want to be the best at a video game I've ever seen. I, you know, I, dude, I can't understand that sentence. I'm sorry. But yeah. out of curiosity, did you ever watch it? And what were your thoughts on it? Um, anyway, keep up the good work. Loving the podcast. Very nice feedback. Thank you very much, Nils. I did watch it, and I ended up tracking down and watching the entire movie. And I watched the Bishop of Battle sequence, of course, in watching that. And I thought it was fantastic. Cheesy. Ridiculous. So ridiculous. Oh, my God. So ridiculous. What about you, Mike? I watched it too. It was it was awful and terrible, and I, I loved every minute of it. And I would watch it again, and I will. I know um, it's one of these things where it. I mean, it really is. It really is ridiculous and, and bad. And yet, yeah, I dug it. I dug it huge. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I, I, I finally watched uh, Joysticks this weekend. <laughs> In between panels, uh, right now that is a very eighties oh, film, man. a very bad film. The whole what's what's the uh, the vidiot King Vidiot, the, the quasi punk like yeah. guy with his quasi punk gals with their sprayed on color hair, walking really like like Pac Man walking. Oh my god, the movie is so so <laughs> stupid. And those I like the the huge joysticks they play with when they're doing the the, the game battle. They got these massive joysticks you move with two hands yeah yeah yeah. i I think we need to dedicate an entire episode to that particularly (laughs) i I just i I remember watching this and and seeing the girls drive off with his pants and take them to the arcade and leave them on the floor there (laughs) what and then he goes to that arcade where his pants are of course of course Uh, he does so yeah um fabulous stuff and uh, i can't wait to talk about some of those but we're going to talk about something else first. We are going to talk about the game Ladybug, which uh, 1981 maze game by Universal Games. Mm. And I had to look up who Universal Games was to remind me. I'm like, who the heck is Universal? But they did Space Panic. They did Mr. Do. Um, and most recently, the last few years, they've been mostly making pachinko games. So they've moved out of the arcade milieu. Yep. 
seems so seems and they have a very strange uh website which is universal hyphen 777.com so odd url for this company. yeah so. i think they're actually a japanese company though aren't yep. they i mean it's it's an english word but it's a japanese company yes um, so it's universal it's nothing to do with universal like movies or anything like that it's just its own its own uh also happens to be called universal and uh, i think they're most famous for space panic mr do and uh this week's game ladybug so what'd you think of Ladybug? I liked it. I thought it was a great game. Uh, it took a little getting used to because there's so much going on in the game. But it only took me a few plays through to figure out, you know, the strategies that would give me my um, world record setting high score in this game. <laughs> Sadly, they they failed me. But um, I, yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. It's it's So it's a typical... A maze chase game as the template. So it's basically a Pac-Man rip-off. Rip-off. Well, there <laughs> yes. you go, yes. Um, and you move your little insects, ladybug, through the maze, and you eat power points, or you eat the pills, and you get points for that. The, the twist, I guess if you want to call it that, is that the maze is sort of customizable in that you have little turnstiles placed throughout as part of the maze walls, and you can move through them and use them to your advantage to escape the other insects that are chasing you and trying to kill you. Exactly. So when you push on the the, the little green things, you, you can move the walls, essentially. So you're shifting the maze around, and that will block the other bugs. You're, you're a ladybug, and there's these other bugs released going after you. And so that's the, you're right. That's the big twist to differentiate this. I mean, it's essentially a Pac-Man-type ripoff. I think a lot of when Pac-Man came out in 1980 and was such a massive crazy hit everybody else was rushing out their their pac-man versions and there's only a few that actually stand out as being worth playing although i don't think this this game did that well reading about it it seems to have not done amazingly well in the arcade did some really really great numbers in the the ports that we'll talk about later but um has developed quite a following afterwards because it really is it's i think one of the best pac-man type games it, it's it's it really has its own unique take on the 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 maze play and the, and the shifting gates really does make the gameplay different and i like the fact that you you don't have the power pellets so which changes the gameplay a lot as well so you've got the little dots you're eating up although they're really little kind of x's here but you're essentially eating dots just like pac-man but unlike pac-man which has off in the corner those you know super pills that you eat mm-hmm. and then now you can attack the bad guys it it gets rid of that completely, and instead you you have um, basically a skull on the screen, which is poison presumably, and you it'll kill you, but you can try to lure the bad guys into that, which will kill them off. And this the, so it really changes the the approach you take, and so that combined with the fact that you can shift these gates to to move around the the maze made it feel very different than Pac-Man playing. Although, of course, it is essentially still a Pac-Man ripoff. So. Sure. Now, uh, it, they, they also included the prize mechanic in this game, although they, they did modify that as well. Uh, the bugs come out after you one at a time into the maze. And once all four are out in the maze, there you'll see the, a, the prize in the area where the bugs or originate. Right. Uh, and if you get to that, you get a big bonus and you pause the other insects on the screen now and it's not for very long 
Um, but it might be enough to to run and get uh, the remaining pills that you need to before exactly. moving Which on. Which you're going to want to because at, by this point, like you're saying, all the bad guys are out there. So, right. yeah, much more difficult than at the beginning because they're getting released, like just like in Pac-Man, they're getting released one at a time. I think it ha- seems to happen every time the perimeter turns green, it's sort of counting down to that. I finally caught on to when these things are getting released. Yeah, there's a, there's a timer that, that tells you when the next one's coming out uh, around the around the border of the screen. and It's pretty obvious when you see it. Yeah. Um, you know what else is extra special about this game? Oh, what's that? <laughs> the extra and the special. Ah! <laughs> because at yes. the top of the screen are the words extra and special. And in the game, those letters appear and they and they cycle through colors, red and yellow and blue. And you have to gobble up the letters matching the words extra and special. And if you get all the letters in the correct colors to spell out the word extra, then you get an extra life. And if you spell out the word special, then you get a free credit. And um, that adds to the game as well. Like, so you're, you're, and since they're, they're cycling through these colors, sometimes you'll come up on one, you have to like pause for a second and say, okay, I want to wait because I need the X and I need it in the right color, but the bad guys are coming after me. So it adds a bit of tension to the game. So I liked that element very much. But that's not all. There is more. There is more, you say? There what is. could there, there be? Scattered throughout the screen, there are also four hearts that cycle through the colors at the same frequency as the letters. Mm-hmm. These four hearts don't help you spell extra or special. No, they don't. But they will uh, increase your bonus modifier by quite a bit. Um, it, you have to get the hearts while they're blue to get the two-time, three-time, four-time modifier. If you get the hearts... While they're another color, you'll get a bonus, but you don't get the point modifier throughout that level. Um, yes, exactly. Yes, but you're, you're, you want to get the red hearts because if you've got your bonus up first, then you can get like, I think it's 4,000 points when you gobble up the, the red thing. So it gives you a huge amount of points. And the vegetables also go up and like just everything goes up. It's awesome. Yeah, so the, the strategy seems to be to get those hearts immediately and then go after the letters after yeah, that. That's, that's the strategy I was using as well. Bring up your multiple because then everything else you grab from then on is just worth that much more. So yeah, right. you go for those first. And we should mention that spelling these words is, is difficult because you only get three letters from each word per maze. Exactly. So and, it's just on screen. And you're like, okay. And, and it's weird. You get like three letters. You always seem to get one of the vowels and you get like three of the consonants. There's right. randomly picked consonants, it seems. You yeah, always I mean, seem to have an A or an E, and those are in both words. And they cycle through. And yeah. so so I think while the while the letters are blue, they're the easiest to get um, because they, the blue phase lasts the longest. That's right. Yeah, as they're cycling. I forgot about that. Yeah, as they're cycling through, the different colors don't last the same amount of time on screen. Right. Like, ah. so, so you can – and you'll if you eat the letters while they're blue, you get – more you get a bonus but you don't they don't add to your spelling of the word you have to get extra while the letters are yellow and that lasts a little bit quicker and then red cycles through very quickly to spell special which makes sense though because they're giving you a free credit if you spell it special so you're getting a full 25 cents oh sure yeah it's so. it definitely it takes a lot of work to get there and i i never finished yep special. I, never, uh, I never got special i got extra but i never got special yeah and so i I didn't worry too much about trying to spell out special. I would try to get I, my quarters are free. <laughs> so I was like, whatever. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I I tended to spend my time going after the hearts and then spelling extra, and then trying to get the vegetable in the middle. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, especially the vegetable I would always go for because it slows the, the people down. And, and by that point, I really needed them slow. And so you see, like, all these little details are what separates it from Pac-Man. Like, you can describe the gameplay of Pac-Man a lot faster than we just took to describe the gameplay of, of Ladybug. And though, so well, it is a maze game, you've got these all these things going on the spelling of the stuff and the various colors and going for the hearts and what the vegetables do and and the the fact that you've got that poison thing to lead them in and the gates that you're changing so there's a lot going on in a game that seems quite simple that is simple in fact it's so simple that the control panel is just a joystick it's a no buttons game so we're back to no buttons and yet a lot going on in the game so right impressive but but not so much that it's overwhelming or distracting from from you from your enjoyment i especially like the fact that the the prize in the middle there, your vegetable that you're going after because like, you're bugs, so you eat vegetables, I guess, instead of pretzels and strawberries, um, is only there when all four bugs are out. So if one of them is, if they're out, one of them hits the poison, goes back to the center, and then it's it's gone again until he comes back out. Exactly. You um, wheat. It's like, oh. So those veggies give you huge bonuses, but sometimes it's, you know, it may be, especially later on, maybe the right strategy just to to leave it oh i'd be always like you know no screw that i don't want this <laughs> just give me less enemies fewer enemies yeah um yeah I, I dug it though like it's a really i'm i'm usually pretty bad at maze games and i'm not the biggest fan of pac-man i mean i like it but you know it's pac-man whatever uh, but i really enjoyed this game like this is a really fun interesting maze game that i think i never played back in the day in the arcade and i don't know why i don't know if i thought it was like too girly looking or something i don't know something just it never it never drew me in in the arcades um but and it's too bad that i didn't give it a shot because it's a really good maze game yeah i i I remember playing this a few times but not sticking around uh one of the problems i remember as a kid and for whatever reason it didn't register with me at the time was that you can't completely close off a section of the maze and be in it Right. So the bugs can always get to you. And yes. I spend a lot of time like, why can't I do that? Just but make a safe zone. Right. Yes. But right. obviously that would make the game too easy. Um, right. Or at least let you pause for right. basically an indefinite period if you could do that. Yeah. The game was released by Universal uh, Games, as you pointed out, Carrington. It was I li- did point that out. Well done, me. <laughs> the home versions were licensed to Taito. And the uh, home versions were all over the place. Yes. Uh, the game was, the arcade version was actually designed by Kazutoshi Ueda. I hope I have, spelled that properly. Have we talked about him before? I don't know. I don't know that that's a name that we've talked about. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> the CPU is a standard uh, Z80 at 4 megahertz. It has two SN7649 sound chips, also okay. at 4 megahertz. It uses a raster moni- monitor in the vertical orientation, uh, the mm-hmm. standard 192 by 240 pixels, uh, and it uh, uses 32 colors. Yeah, so really pretty straightforward 1980 hardware. Like if you think yes. about it, like there's nothing nothing that unique about the hardware, and there wasn't really that much unique about the cabinet itself. Universal, for the most part, didn't have a lot of side art that was unique to the cabinets. They would have just the 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 Universal logo which is a just a word basically and these yellow orange red stripes down the side so most universal cabinets were kind of interchangeable so you can take a a universal like a mr do cab and change it into to ladybug and it's going to look pretty much the same so these were sold as both a an upright uh and a cocktail version and online everybody seems to just talk about the upright and the cocktail but i've seen people talking about a cabaret but i think it's just because the upright for universals aren't very big so i don't think 
there was actually another version. I think it's just that it's a not a massively large cabinet, although it was just a standard cab. And it's the kind where the monitor is almost lying down. So it's like at a 30 degree sort of angle off just horizontal. So you're looking down onto the monitor versus it being being more upright. The um, bezel art is what's more interesting, I think, about the cabinet than anything else. Because the, the controller, like I said, it's just there's a one and two button um, or one player and two player buttons. And looking at the pictures of it, there's another button that doesn't seem to be labeled, but I suspect that must be just the start button or something. I don't know. I don't know why there's another button on that because you don't really use any other buttons. You just use the controller. And the joystick is this weird looking little knob joystick. It's, it's, a, it's a strange one, but having not actually played it in the arcade, I don't have my hands on it, but it looks like a, a strange little knob on this thing as, as for the joystick they picked. But it's the bezel art. That's very weird. So it has these pictures of kind of space background, but it's just because you're looking at flowers, but writ large. And and these ladies in sort of superhero costumes, but with mm-hmm. wings, kind of attacking, but kind of lounging sexually. <laughs> like it's, it's strange and suggestive because <laughs> they instead of look, because in the game itself, your ladybug is just a, you know, looks like a ladybug like an actual little beetle but on the bezel it's like oh no sexy future ladies with high boots and, and bustiers it's really strange bezel wow. art for this thing yeah so that makes the cabinet i think a little more interesting you can pick one of these things up though they're not that collectible i found a lot of them go online uh, a, a good upright cab is going to go for you know 300 350 maybe four if it's in amazing condition so it's not super collectible it's not super rare so it's pretty easy to come by and i think the big advantage of it would be that if you had an actual universal cabinet you could probably cycle it between um you know rip out the guts and and change it with new art into a into a mr do or into something else and it would look the exact same so you have some some options there well i think that may have been the point you know you, you right. mentioned those those buttons that don't seem to do anything. I wonder if Universal planned it that way so that if you did have a game that used buttons, you already had the cabinet that you could use. Oh, right, and then that would be the button, right? Yeah, yeah. to swap so in the control panel. So, so you just yeah. make the make the cabinet as generic as possible because the game is what they care about or what they think players care about. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, you'd mentioned that the the ports were a lot more popular. Uh, it appeared uh, on the ColecoVision and the Intellivision. But the arcade version wasn't completely uh, panned. It did win a design award oh. um, in nineteen in the in January nineteen eighty three. The nineteen eighty two arcade awards gave it a certificate of merit as a runner up for most innovative coin op game. It is innovative. I mean, they really took the maze idea and and did more than just most people do when you rip off a game. Like there's a lot of, a lot of space invaders rip offs and all they do is basically change the, the sprites. Whereas this is a game that said, let's take Pac-Man and how can we make it its own game? And, and I thought it was really successful in doing that. Like really, I, I, I strongly recommend this game. It's way better than I thought it would be. But as you said, uh, it really took off on the home platform. And in January of 1984, ColecoVision, the ColecoVision port, uh, one video game of the year. Wow, because 19- yeah, that's the one I was most aware of was the Clico right. version. version. Uh, at the 1983 Arcade Awards. Right. Uh, okay, tying cool. it with the Atari 2600 port of Ms. Pac-Man. So and right. I, think, I think, as you pointed out, there were 77 people that got this right. Obviously, there are a lot of people out here out there who know and remember this game. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and like it because we didn't hear a lot of complaints about what a terrible game it was, which we would have. Um, <laughs> yes. So I imagine most of them played all or most of this on their home consoles. Sure, yeah, rather the than... television version sold really well too. I think. So, yes. Yeah. So how'd you do? I got uh, I got to the fifth screen. Okay. So I, I didn't actually do that well on this one. And part of the re- I, I, my high score was uh, 40, 41,280. I destroyed you. Yes, you did. And <laughs> part of the problem that I had with it is that I would kind of panic, you know, and the, the other insects got near me because especially I think at level two or three, they start moving faster than you do. Not a lot, but they do move faster. And unlike in Pac-Man, so if you're moving horizontally to the left in Pac-Man and you pull down on the joystick, Pac-Man will continue to move left until there's a place to move down. In Ladybug, if you pull too early, Ladybug will just turn and stop. And that happened to me all the time. So, yeah, because yeah, um, I'm, I'm used to the same same idea that you got the four-wheel joystick, which you do here, but I'm also used to saying, no, it's going to keep moving, and if I push up, I'm just pre-selecting, hey, when you get there, move up. And here you've got to actually time it right, right. at the edges. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did not do either as well as I wanted to or as well as I hoped. Um, <laughs> Well, I did. I did better than than I thought I could possibly do. So my my score was seventy four thousand four hundred and eighty. Oh boy! And yeah. I got a bunch of scores in the in the sixties and seventies. So actually, uh, for me, I was rocking this game. Yeah, <laughs> Not compared you, to like maybe people out in the real world. You definitely but, killed me in this one. Yeah, yeah. So I, w- I was quite surprised because normally the maze games and I do not get along. So, but I I was just you know in the zone and and loving the game. It's a it's a really good game. Blah blah blah. First you, <laughs> then Jan. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Um, no, that's uh, so. So, how far into the game did you get as far as like screens that you cleared? I think I was on six or seven. Okay, so not maybe? actually that much further. Not so you, so you, super further, yeah. So you, you really worked the bonus then. I worked the bonus. I worked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would go for the. I would really try to. It was all about trying to get that that multiplier going. Yep. And it just made such a huge difference because I would often get just as far into the game. Because you, you sort of, t- I wouldn't be counting the maces, but you can kind of tell how far you are by how fast everything's moving. Because the game just slowly gets quicker and quicker and quicker. Right. And um, I would find that I would frequently get to what felt like the same distance, like because of the speed, but my score would sometimes be way lower. And so mm-hmm. it was just because I wasn't getting it multiplier or I wasn't getting it early enough. Like it's all about getting it that multiplier going really early because then you'll have so many more things that you do that get multiplied. And if you leave that too late, you're just, you're leaving a lot of, a lot of points on the table. Well, I like the fact also that you, in this game, you couldn't rely on an extra man at 10,000 or 20,000. You had to spell out extra. Yeah. If you you want an extra man, you got to earn it. If you didn't do that, you didn't get it. So I I thought that was, uh, that was a neat idea too. And and despite how poorly I did, I really liked this game a lot. Uh, The one thing that kind of bugged me, um, so, and we haven't talked about the sound of the music yet. Oh, I, w- I was um, I was about to say, uh, let's talk about the sound. <laughs> well, okay, I'll get this out of the way first. As you're playing, there's a sort of heartbeat sound that kind of goes along with, as you mentioned, the game slowly speeding up as you move past the levels. And by the time you get to four or five, it's gone from this kind of, you know, the, the tap, tap, tap of a heartbeat to just this buzz. Yeah, I wasn't a fan so of that. So annoying. Actually. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, because I didn't like it. it, when, when it I was like, uh, I could deal without that sound. Yep. I wasn't really a huge fan, 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 a huge fan of the sound in general. This is a game that I stopped, I put on headphones, and I was listening to music instead of listening to the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, I, I didn't care for it. I didn't think it was horrible. I just, uh, this, with um, the combination of the buzz and then 
sort of lackluster sound design outside yeah. that. Just I was not interested. Yeah, I just uh, it, I just found it better to stick on headphones and get in the zone. And um, yeah, like it's not that the sound is awful, but it's there's nothing really spectacular going on here. And yeah, we we've played a lot of games that have far better and more interesting sound in general than this. Yeah, um, there are a couple of Easter eggs, I guess if you want to call it that. Oh, I I think I found none. Well, one of them you probably wouldn't have found unless you went through the code. I did uh, not. <laughs> so hackers, once they dumped the, the ROM for the code, found unused graphics for a large dinosaur. Nobody seems to know why it's there. Uh, presumably, it was they were going the game, they were going to go in a different direction with the game and just didn't use that and left it there because it yeah, was easier. Why the than, heck would a dinosaur be involved in this game at all? That's crazy. Right. Yeah, and it was easier just to leave it there. In the meantime, uh, because I forgot to mention this, the high score uh, was set by Alessandro Leani. Laini, I'm sorry, Alessandro, if you're still around. Uh, holds the official record for this game at 4,102,830 points. So basically 100 times more than my score. Yes, and, and way, way, way beyond mine. <laughs> I thought I did well, but no. No. <laughs> But overall, I would recommend this game. Um, I'd like to, before I would commit to like, hey, this game is good enough that it would be in my collection. Like if I was setting up a mini arcade, I'd want to play on the actual joystick. Because looking at pictures of this, the joystick on this cabinet, I'm not impressed. So I'd like to see how that feels to play. Because the, the cabinet itself is not that exciting. And it is just a game that's a four-way joystick. So I don't think you lose anything by playing this in MAME. So it'd have to be something... You know, honestly, I don't think I'd make space for it. I really do like this game. But if it came down to picking just like 20 cabinets, I don't think this would make the grade because I can have a main cabinet that would play this game and be great. I agree. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I had a great time with it. But I don't know that it's going to be one I return to all that often uh, just because I think there are better maze games out there. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I would play this over Pac-Man. I really I enjoyed playing this and maybe just because it was new and I've been playing Pac-Man for so many years or whereas this was like, oh, hey, it's it's a whole new game. So I quite enjoyed it. So we'll see if it has the staying power. But I think I will come back to this game. Ah, but but I you, don't think I would have owned a cabinet, though. But would you play it over Junior Pac-Man? There's the question. That is a question. I don't have an answer. <laughs> well, would you play it over the game that we're going to play next week? Well, I don't know. It depends what it sounds like. Well, Carrington, it sounds like this. I guess that pretty much brings us to the end of this week's episode. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for podcasting with me. Thank you, Carrington. And congratulations once again to um, who won our, our oh, Vintage Volts. Yes. Congratulations to Vintage Volts. I will reach out to you and uh, let you know that you won and arrange to get your miniature cabinet sent out to you. And thank you so much for the other 70, what is it, 76 people who entered the contest. That was really fantastic of you. And mostly, though, thanks to everyone who listens. Like, it really is uh, pretty spectacular that you guys will spend a half an hour or so listening to Mike and I ramble on about these games. And the best part part of that is that you guys interact that you send things notes on facebook or send an email and that kind of stuff absolutely my favorite part of this podcast is the fact that people reach out to us and want to discuss the things and i'm like seriously interested in hearing from people so uh, if you play games or whatever 
you know, have a good time or have a game to suggest or whatever, then just, you know, definitely uh, reach out to us on, on Twitter or Facebook or email or, or in any way that's convenient to you guys because that part is really, really, really fun. And even if you don't like us, like you don't like me, for, for instance, <laughs> um, even if you don't like us, you should keep listening because we'll probably do another contest sometime in the near future. Yep, because it is fun. It is a great way to spur people on to interacting with us. And it's I just, you know, I'm so appreciative of the fact that people listen and I'm very happy to to contribute to, you know, giving away stuff to, to reward those who do listen and, and interact. So. Yeah, and win I stuff. I really appreciate it. And win stuff. Fun to win stuff. <laughs> yes. So great. So I will talk to you next week, Mike. Uh, sounds good, Carrington. Thanks a okay. lot. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, why not head over to iTunes where you can leave us a rating or a review. It really helps other people find the show. You can also interact with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, or follow us on Twitter at NoQuarterShow. Feedback to the show can be sent to feedback at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. <laughs>